Former NFL player Michael Orr alleges the story behind the blind side is a lie. Trump is indicted in Georgia. The actor behind an iconic King of the Hill character passes away. U.S. aid to Ukraine has reportedly been used to purchase luxury cars and villas. And is there a land grab taking place in Maui? We'll get into it right now. What's up, guys? Welcome to the wrap up where we break down the biggest stories of the week that you might have missed and definitely need to know. Was the story of the blind side all a lie? That's what Michael Orr, whose life story is the basis of the 2009 film, is alleging in a bombshell new lawsuit filed earlier this week. According to ESPN, the 14 page petition filed in Shelby County, Tennessee, probate court alleges that Sean and Leanne Tui, who took Orr into their home as a high school student, never actually adopted him. Instead, less than three months after Orr turned 18 in 2004, the petition says the couple tricked him into signing a document making them his conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. The Tuies have since responded and described Orr's lawsuit as absurd, harmful, and an attempted shakedown. What remains unclear to me, however, is why Orr actually believes the Tuie family would need to profit off of his name. Considering the patriarch of the Tuie family, Sean Tuie, reportedly sold his chain of fast food franchises for 230 million. Since the controversy erupted, the internet mob has weirdly turned their anger on an unlikely bystander, Sandra Bullock, who famously won an Oscar for her betrayal of Leanne Tui. Quentin Aaron, the man who played Michael Orr in The Blind Side, is furious with those clamoring for Bullock to lose her Oscar over the new Orr drama, telling the TMZ Sports the actress has absolutely nothing to do with it. Now, it'll be interesting to see how exactly this plays out. We'll continue to keep track of this story, but all I know is that I will always be Team Sandra Bullock. Another week, another Trump indictment. This one, however, comes out of my home state of Georgia. On Monday, a Fulton County jury made the decision to indict President Donald J. Trump along with 19 other co-defendants on racketeering charges. Yeah, the same charges used to incarcerate mob bosses back in the day related to the 2020 presidential election. Now, the 94-page indictment alleges a series of actions taken by Trump and his, quote, conspirators to undermine the 2020 presidential election in the state of Georgia. Georgia, not just in Georgia, but outside of it as well. Notable individuals who were charged alongside the former president include former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, former mayor of New York Rudy Giuliani, former Georgia Republican Party Chairman David Schaefer, and Trump lawyer Sidney Powell. Now, this case is a little bit different from previous indictments of the president, as they will be tried at the state level. Former President Trump, even if he is successful in his campaign to return to the White House, will not be able to pardon himself, nor will Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who is one of three governors in the entire country that is unable to issue a unilateral pardon. Now, on Wednesday, the Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis released her proposed timeline for the Trump case, with the trial beginning in March 2024 just days, actually one day before Super Tuesday. On Thursday, Georgia State Senator Colton Moore took the first step toward impeaching Fannie Willis for her actions against Donald Trump. And in a letter to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, Moore wrote that America is under attack. I'm not going to sit back and watch as the radical left prosecutors weaponize their elected offices to politically target their opponents. Now, some of y'all might be upset with me on this one, but I actually really don't care. I had to cover this story due to the nostalgia alone. Johnny Hart Now, you might not know that name, but you certainly know this character. The voice of Dale Gribble, yes, this Dale Gribble, on King of the Hill has died at 64 years old, and it feels like just yesterday I was sneaking off to watch King of the Hill late at night as a kid on Adult Swim, right after Family Guy, of course. Now, thankfully, my grandparents didn't know much about parental controls back then, but in honor of Johnny and the iconic Dale Gribble, here's a montage of some of my favorite moments from the series. Whoa, Dale, this bridge goes into Mexico. Whoops, did I make a wrong turn? 
Alright, let me try to spin around. Nope. Not yet. Now? Nope. Oh, well, we're in Mexico. What are you gonna do? I know what's wrong with it. It's a Ford. You know what they say Ford stands for, don't you? It stands for fix it again, Tony. <laughs> You're thinking of a Fiat, Dale. Fix it again. All right, Twister. It's just you and me now. Ten years ago, you took my shit. Did you think I'd forget that? Come on, bring it on! Ah! No, please, let me go! Rest in peace, Johnny. You created something absolutely great. According to Daily Express US, Ukraine's top brass were recently outed for purchasing, quote, luxury cars and Spanish villas while their underlings died on the front lines of the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Now, I had to read this story to actually believe it. For those who may have forgotten to date, the country of Ukraine has received more than $100 billion, yes, with a B, from the United States government. According to Daily Express, Ukrainian President Zelensky said a review of the recruitment centers revealed illegal enrichment to helping eligible military-aged men flee the country to avoid military service. Now, according to a former advisor to Zelensky, all of those identified as having participated in the aforementioned malfeasance were relieved of their command and dismissed. However, notably, there have been no reports of any arrest. It's time for your news tonight. In the wake of recent devastating wildfires, the tranquil landscapes of Maui have become the backdrop for a growing concern among its residents. Now, the sale of land in the aftermath of the fires has ignited fears of displacement among locals that their communities might be transformed beyond recognition. The fires which charred significant portions of Maui have left a scar not only on the environment, but also on the social fabric of the island. As the embers settle, conversations about the future of these scorched regions have gained momentum. However, these discussions have been tinged with apprehension as residents grapple with the looming specter of being priced out by real estate investors seeking to capitalize on the tragedy. According to USA Today, many Maui residents are mourning the loss of their homes and pledging to stay put after the deadliest wildfires in the United States and more than a century destroyed neighborhoods all across the island. They said that they are worried that if insurance payouts and government assistance doesn't come fast enough, survivors may sell to people who will drastically change the island as they know it and their beloved but rapidly gentrifying community. In the days since the fire struck, developers have reached out about acquiring the land that islanders and their families have lived on for generations. And our prayers continue to be with the people of Maui as they navigate this unthinkable tragedy. Well, guys, that is all for us this week on The Wrap Up. Be sure to tune in next week. But in the meantime, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, and have a great weekend. Hey, guys, I'm CJ Pearson. To keep videos like this free, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today right here on PragerU.com.